Hi, I'm Cormac. And I'm Stuart, and welcome back to Console Chronicles. This week, join us as we bring you the latest gaming news before we focus on the Game of the Year Awards. That's right. The Game of the Year Awards will be hosted this year on December 7th, and today we're going to be going through some of the categories and nominations that stick out to us and give you our thoughts and our personal opinions. And of course, we surely will have some shits and giggles. Absolutely. But first, let's bring you the news. Kicking things off with the news this week. Some good, but maybe unnecessary news. The Last of Us Part 2 is getting a remaster. Which, hold your thoughts on for a second. Let me let me talk you through this a little bit. So, it is a going to be like a 4K remaster of the Part 2, which came out in 2020. Yeah, and it's really strange decision from Naughty Dog. But they are bringing us the main storyline as well as six new features which includes a speedrun mode a guitar free play mode no return mode which is going to be like a roguelike survival mode where you get to choose between new and old characters in limited time missions and earn rewards there's going to be a lost levels mode which essentially will allow players to play previously cut content that didn't make it into the original game. There's going to be additional outfits and skins for each character. There's going to be a director's commentary. And yeah, it's going to include, going to be upscaled to 4K. And it's coming on the 19th of January, 2024. And I have a question. Go on. Is The Last of Us Part 2 not already on current generation console? No, PlayStation 4. Only 4, it's not on PS5. They don't have a PS5 version, no. Right, I just thought, well, you said it was 2020. I was like, that's not too long ago. It might have been brought over to the store already. It was like three months before the PS5 came out, if I remember correctly. Um, but they never they never ported it over. Is this a repurchased new game? Like, is this is this a full price title? For those who don't own it, yeah, it's a full price title. For those who do own it, it is a $10 upgrade, which I'm a fan of personally. So if I own it on the previous generation, is it? Yep. Yep. And that's obviously it's... only going to apply to digital copies, not physical. Has to apply to physical as well. Don't ask me how they're going to do it, but it has to apply to physical as well. I like it. I'd lovely to see what the, how they figure that out. Like, have you ever had the disc plugged in in the past? Um, unless it's a case of maybe pop the PS4 disc in so we can then, verify that you have that's, it. That's what The Witcher did. Um, I had the Witcher disc for PS4, and when the PS5 version came out, it allowed they gave free upgrades for PS5. If, um, okay. So, but I couldn't get it because my account was a Canadian account, and I was trying to use a EU disc, and it didn't work. Oh, I thought regional locks were a thing of the past. Mm, uh, I know, but, I, but it sounds promising, and you know, I'm excited to see this game in 4K. It's a really well done game, and it's a shame it didn't hold off for an extra six months and come out with the with the current gen but do you know what it doesn't look like a money grab which makes me feel like the game is more for the fans than just for churning out more content so fair enough yeah i think so and i think with some of these new modes potentially testing for a third game not last of us part three but there's talks of a multiplayer game that's been in the works for the last few years there's been talks of the project being cancelled and then resumed so Really unsure, but they're definitely testing the audience's feet in some new waters with with the content. So yeah, we'll bring you guys our thoughts and opinions once we get a hold of it. But yeah, some some exciting news for Naughty Dog fans. Next up in the news, uh, a little bit of sad news is that um, Steam has officially ended in Turkey and Argentina as of this week. This is really sad. And if we have any uh, Turkish or Argentinian uh, listeners, it's wild. Essentially, it's, it's down because of inflation. Uh, the inflation in Turkey and Argentina is through the roof to such extent where it is costing weeks, if not months, of uh, earnings to purchase a AAA title. And as a result, there has been a, a massive decline in activity and purchasing on the platform. So they've decided to cease operations. That's rough, man. I know Turkey's inflation was bad. Like I think this year, or even in the past couple of months, it's up like past the 60% inflation for the year, which is insane. I didn't know Argentina was suffering the same. 
at the moment at the end of the day that's not going to be people's priorities as much as we all love playing games and you know it's a huge part of our life when it comes to that and food and electricity it's a no-brainer like yeah it's a pastime it is exactly it's not a you know a, a requirement to to live which is sad but i hope it comes back eventually when you know the their markets sort out or it's going to be a case of vpns maybe is it going to be down to just use a vpn or you're not allowed play uh, that's rough man it is it is what's happening to those who already have steam accounts and you own games are they pulled or is it just that you can't access the store i would assume the store is being closed down i would assume you can still access your your library yeah that would make sense so kind of any any games you currently own or have you still have there but you just can't purchase anything in your region right now yeah. Um, so yeah, that seems more of a, a pause than a like pulling from the market completely. So hopefully it comes back. Yeah, we'll keep you guys updated nonetheless. Um, kind of a opposite note. <laughs> we got some news from a Q3 2023 investors earning call. No official word or any official announcement, but we have seen that another subnautica game has been confirmed there's no title there's no name there's no information whatsoever it was just spotted in their earnings call presentation which is of course how we like to find out about games coming out um but yeah just just wanted to kind of make everyone aware of that great series subnautica has been really fun games once you get into it and once you can devote the time to to get into it and uh it's planned for a release in 2025 so only a couple nice. of years out. Nice, keep an eye out. And then just to kind of wrap us up, my favorite new segment is this week in history. And this week in history, in 1994, was that 29 years ago now? The Sega Saturn was first released in Japan. It, it was released in North America and Europe the year after. But for this week in history, it was released in Japan. 18 years ago in 2005, the Xbox 360 was released. And 10 years ago in 2013, the Xbox One was released. So. 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, Hold on. It, no. Xbox 360, 18 years. It could drink and buy smokes. <laughs> I don't think it can because it's not a person. But fair enough. <laughs> you know what? They so many of the Xbox 360s are that clogged up with dust and debris, and they're everything. Probably, <laughs> it probably are is worse than smoking. Being in the room with an Xbox 360 at this point. But man, I remember I got the the Xbox One like release week. I got that like Christmas. Oh really? Christmas week. Yeah, yeah, Damn. yeah. That was that doesn't feel like that long ago. Holy shit! I've never PlayStation Five was the only console I got. When it came out, everything else two or three years after. So I don't. Well, the Xbox One couldn't be got at the time. Couldn't be got. Had a couple no. of connections. Mm-hmm. A couple of connections in an Argos. I was going to say, you knew a few lads and Smiths, eh? Oh, the Argos <laughs> went smuggled one out. It was meant. That was a crazy time. That was a time where, like, the people leaving the store had to, like, put what, like, if they bought a console, they had to put it in like two or three bags because people were like attacking them, leaving the store, being like, why, oh why does he have one? And I can't buy one and stuff like that. It was a crazy time, man. Look, look, look back at it. It was insane. Yeah, that's it for the news. Let's jump over to our main segment. So without any further delays, let's jump into the main topic for this week's episode, which, as we said at the start, is the Game of the Year nominations. So as we researched this, we realized there is a hell of a lot of categories when it comes to Game of the Year. And we can't go through them all. We can't go through every nomination because we'd be here all week and everyone would tune out. So what we're going to do is a bit more of a freeform uh, section here where we'll go through a couple of games that we have played, a couple of games that we have noted throughout the year. Uh, what categories they're in, what kind of competition they're up against, and, and what we think. So if a specific category isn't mentioned that you think is important or should be highlighted, don't take it personally. There's just too much to go through altogether. And we will save our Game of the Year predictions till the very end. So why don't you run us through what the nominations are for the actual full total Game of the Year, Stuart? 
and then we'll save our opinions for that until the end. Yeah, I love that. And there's like 30 odd different categories here. So it's, I've never seen so many. But Game of the Year, we have six nominations. Um, we have Alan Wake 2. We got Baldur's Gate 3. We have Spider-Man 2. We have Resident Evil 4. Super Mario Bros. Wonder. And The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So we got some tasty looking games there. We'll say no more about it until nope. the very end. So I'm going to kick it off with a category that really doesn't require any kind of explanation. And it's one of my kind of favorite genres. So it's an easy one for me to get started. Get us warmed up at least. So the category I'm going to go through is best multiplayer, which really a good one. it speaks for itself. If you know what a multiplayer game is, Fair enough. If you don't, you play with other people. Description done. <laughs> the game that kind of jumps out at me with this one is Diablo 4. And I've played a, a good bit of it actually quite recently. Played a lot of hardcore where I died. So it's a lot of repeating the same steps, but I'm still really enjoying it. But it is up against some serious competition. The competition against Diablo 4 for the best multiplayer is Baldur's Gate 3, Party Animals, Street Fighter 6, and Super Mario Bros. Wonder, which I didn't realize there was such a multiplayer aspect to that. But Obviously, yeah. there is if it's in here. Uh, that's <laughs> has some stiff competition, but Diablo 4 is going to be hard to beat as well. I think so. I think they made it very easy for players with different grades of uh, like experience and ability to come together and play together. That's what a multiplayer game is meant to be. It's not like, you know, pod where if you're a brand new player and I'm someone who's played it for years, there's going to be you're going to be outranked when you come into my lobbies or vice, or vice versa. They've really done a great job on that. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 is a lot of fun. Haven't played Party Animals or Street Fighter and Super Mario Bros. It's always a great little co-op game, I think. Definitely some stiff competition there, but I'm with you with Diablo. I'll say the, the one feature that you kind of touched off there is I think I don't know what they called it exactly, but it's like dynamic co-op where if I join on level one, the enemies trying to fight me are level one. But the same enemy is level 25 30 50 for you which i think is so so good that it can't it's not a case of i've played it too long you can't play with me people can jump straight in and play together which i really really rate that so yeah that's again i don't i'll be interested to see how it comes out but it's a it's a tough lineup what about you Stuart? What are, what are you picking? I was going to have a look at the best action game. So best action game is, for those of you who don't know, it's a game that's primarily focused on combat or action. And for this category, there's Armor Core 6, uh, Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, and Remnant 2. I played maybe three of these this year and, you know, Dead Island was a nice sequel to the first one, but for this, I want to focus on Hi-Fi Rush. I really enjoyed what they did with this game. It was the first of its kind. And um, for those of you who haven't played it, it's a super colorful action game that is primarily focused on rhythm and, and music. So there's music going the whole time in the game. And basically, if you attack enemies on the beat, you can kind of chain up your skills and get better damage out of it. Now, it's it's a lot of a lot of fun and you have to like block on the beat and everything is done within the rhythm of the beat. It's not something I've ever seen before. I got it when it came out and Honestly, it was an absolute blast and just a refresh, like really refreshing take on a game. So uh, fingers crossed for that, but it is up against some serious stiff competition, especially when you say action. And I don't follow that up with saying my pick is Armored Core. So yeah, we'll, we'll see on this one. <laughs> I think if, if ever there was a game that directly described or encapsulated a genre, Armored Core is going to cover action. So that's, that is going to be tough now. Surprisingly, I've not actually played any of the games. I've watched a lot of gameplay of a good few of them, but none of them jumped out to me, even though I like a game that gets straight into it. So, hey, maybe I need to, maybe I need to do a bit of reevaluating on that one, but be interesting to see. Yeah, 100%. So what's up next? Up next is going to be along the same lines. It's actually adventure but you'll know why i brought this topic up fairly shortly it's similar to best action but of course including adventure free roam puzzle solving that kind of thing the one that's kind of jumping out on this one is going to be legend of zelda tears of the kingdom it, it's something I, I want to talk whenever i'm given an opportunity to talk about it i do <laughs> that's not giving any uh insights away for the end of the episode but um they i don't know how it's going to compare to the likes of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Resident Evil 4, Spider-Man 2, and Alan Wake 2, which you'll see kind of a, a pattern with Alan Wake 2 in some of the, the categories here. And as you've seen, it's not one 
game isn't specific to one category. They can be across all categories. I don't know. I love a puzzle solver. Um, I love something where you can, you're kind of left to figure it out on your own. So I'd be interesting to see. And I still don't know if I'd buy any of the other games if they won it, to be honest with you. Ooh, that's a, that's a bold statement. I actually think for, for this category, I think Zelda deserves it because, you know, action adventure like Spider-Man and I haven't played Alan Wake yet, but I've seen a lot of, of gameplay to it. There is encompassing puzzle solving, at least in Spider-Man. It's very simple, straightforward and Alan Wake 2 heavy puzzle solving, but not really too much of combining like combat and traversal together. Res Evil, I can imagine the same thing. Star Wars, it stands out a little bit, but that is what Zelda is, is an action adventure game to the T and the puzzle solving in that as is as satisfying as ever, especially as we've mentioned so many times before, the, the creativity that goes into solving these puzzles is not something I've ever seen in a game before. So I would put adventure down as like a Skyrim, a Fallout, like an open world. Yeah. And I know Spider-Man 2 does have kind of an, an open world aspect to it. So I would put adventure down into like doing what you want, where you want, exploring new lands and that kind of thing. They just don't jump out to me as that type of games. And maybe it's because I haven't got a great amount of experience with them, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what comes through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Staying within the, the best genre. Gonna have a look and focus on a, a category that I'm, I'm very familiar with, Cormac. I'm not sure about you, but best sports racing. And you know, it's a, it's a little bit of an interesting one. So we have nominees such as EA Sports FC 24, F1 23, Forza Motorsport, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, and the Crew Motorfest. So quite a little bit of a mix there. And it's quite difficult to pick out a, a short or fire winner. Um, I hope to God that uh, EA does not win this. It's a very poorly built game with tons of bugs that is my go-to game. So I play a lot of this and as someone who loves football and has been part of that franchise for 20 odd years now, which is insane. It's really disappointing because you're pushed into grinding for rewards as opposed to enjoying gameplay. And gameplay is poor and it's there hasn't been many patches. So I don't want that to win. I think honestly, Boards of Motorsport was a fantastic new addition. I thought the, the game looked beautiful, it played fantastic. It was a lot of fun driving the cars um, and the feel for them was, was fantastic as well. So probably my top pick there but um it's an interesting category for different reasons as the the previous ones we've mentioned so far yeah and i think it's entirely fair to say that i wouldn't have a huge amount of experience with this genre but i'm gonna vote hot wheels just because it's the only one that doesn't try and focus on being realism or being realism being realistic or hyper realism it's different it, it stands out as being a game that is there because it's fun uh, it's not a simulator game really no, it's not. The other ones, although they're not technically classified as simulator games, you know, football simulator, Formula One simulator, Forza racing simulator, simulator, racing simulator. Well, the crew is a bit different, right? Because I the don't crew, know the crew. So I, I kind of, it's not entirely obvious as to what that is. And I would certainly, I've, I've ruled that out on like, <laughs> if I was a quiz show and it was A, B, or C, I would rule that out because I don't know what it is. Gotcha. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be unfair with that. But I have played one of the, I say I think the previous Hot Wheels game, and it's a lot of fun. You know, it's just enjoy the game. Don't worry about it being too difficult or any of that kind of stuff. So that's why my vote's going there. That's fair. That's fair. I hope they didn't do what they did for the first one, which was the loot boxes galore, because that killed the first one. But um. I killed yeah. a lot of games now. It, it has, oh, it yeah. has. I agree. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Is that back to me then for another one, I suppose? That is huh? back to you. Did I have to did I have to specifically tell you that's back to no, you? No, no, you need to spoon feed me these things, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, back to you. Back to me with the news. <laughs> so we're gonna pick one that's a, a little bit more outside of the box. It's not just a specific genre type, but I'm gonna pick a, a game that is the best game direction which to kind of classify is awarded for creative vision and innovation and game direction and design. So similar to that of kind of game of the year, but a little bit more towards what the game done than just being a good game, what they done different, what they done outside of the box. And there is a, I wanted to say a star studded lineup here. Um, it's Alan Wake 2 again, Baldur's Gate 3 again, uh, Spider-Man 2 again, Super Mario Bros. Wonder again and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom again. So they're all repeats that we've kind of seen. And 
it's kind of important to say different to the adventure game where I put kind of Legend of Zelda up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do still hold that in in really kind of high regard here, but I do know that Alan Wake 2 done a lot of different things in terms of how it tells its story and how it immerses you in the game. And like that, I know Spider-Man 2, again, changed their kind of whole hood and stuff to make it more interactive and more immersive. So I think every single game there, barring Super Mario, I don't know a huge amount about that, is doing something that is different. And I think that's that's worth shouting out. So I can't call that category, even though, uh, you know, I'd like to see, I, I don't have a whole lot of love for Alan Wake. So, you know, if that didn't win it, I wouldn't be heartbroken. I, I don't have a whole lot of love for Baldur's Gate either. Spider-Man I like because it's Spider-Man, but I've never played the game. But I think every game there does something different with what they're trying to achieve which is interesting yeah i think i think for me personally like i played quite quite a few the only ones i haven't played is alan wake and and super mario bros but the the key thing for me that stood out there was innovation and i think Baldur's gate 3 very similar to Baldur's gate 2 now i i'm not a huge fan of the franchise so if it's very different i do apologize in advance spider-man 2 was similar to spider-man 1 and miles morales Mario Bros, again, the same, and Legend of Zelda. It did take steps in innovation, but I think Alan Wake 2 stands out for mainly the live-action aspect to it that we've seen, which was unique. Like, I've not seen that in any game before. And again, I don't know how it was executed, but it went down as well as critics are saying and reviews are coming in and stuff like that. That should take the cake, in my opinion. You're saying it like that, I, I can entirely agree. A lot of the other games are their sequels, they take every game there is actually a sequel uh, of some kind. I know Super yeah. Mario Bros. Wonder technically isn't a one, two, three, but every other game there is a sequel. Yeah, it's a tough one. Again, this is what makes this awards so special, right? Is that it is very difficult. And even though we're only having a couple of minutes conversation on each category, we could sit here and argue for about 30 minutes about these. How are they decided, actually? Is it a voting system? Yeah, or a... yeah so I was going to save this to the end, but sure, we'll, we'll stick it in now because you've, you've mentioned it. So for anybody who is wondering, can go on to thegameawards.com and you can cast your vote you can sign in and cast your vote across all 31 32 categories so yeah that's that's how you vote votes are tallied up and they're obviously going to be announced then on december 7th so yeah they're voted by us which means that we would be a little bit hypocritical if we sit here and talk about each of these games and categories and then don't go online and vote ourselves so we should get on that i think the correct wording is they are community driven is that not what i said that sounded oh, like what I said. Oh, you were almost there. <laughs> so next category we're going to have a look at is best ongoing, uh, which by itself, it's awarded for the development of ongoing content. So basically providing new content for games that may or may not have come out in the last year or two. And we have a whole list of very familiar names here, including Apex Legends, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy 9. Can you, can you do, can you do all the new? <laughs> Rose, mate. Is that 17? That is fucking 14. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> and I'd like to say, I don't know if this is put in correctly, but the other ones for, say, outstanding music is. No, that is put in correctly. That is they're 16. Different. Yeah. So this is 14. Ones. Yeah. Okay. They're different, ones. So. they're different ones. So Final Fantasy, 14, <laughs> Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. Now, honestly, like I very much adore Apex, but I really haven't seen too much coming out this year about it. Cyberpunk redid everything, as as we heard last week from from Shem. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV, I have no idea what content <laughs> was produced from that this year. Fortnite, we only spoke about a couple of weeks ago, breaking records for most concurrent players and active players ever. So I'd probably like to see Cyberpunk win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Fortnite takes the cake here. Uh, I don't see, I, don't, I haven't, obviously there's Genshin Impact and Final Fantasy. I don't have a whole lot of insight on, um, but I don't see any other game putting it up to Cyberpunk for the level of content they've added to the game. I don't know that that's fair though either, because it was added because it's necessary and the game needed mm, it. That's true. So I don't, again, I don't think that's going to be held against them. 
at the end of the day, it is constant content that's being added to the game. Apex and Fortnite, they're BORs. We've talked about them in Battle Royale episodes. There's battle passes, there's new content, but to be fair to Fortnite, they went back. I, I can appreciate that. Um, that's possibly what's pushed them over the line for a nomination maybe this year, but I don't know that it's uh, outstanding, you know? I don't. I appreciate they're, they're upkeeping their game, but I don't know that it, it's outstanding when compared to a game that is uh, like Cyberpunk, a single player game that's pushing out actual new content rather than these kind of easter egg story kind of type events Mm -hmm. Uh, so i don't know that i imagine is a hard one to call but i'd peg cyberpunk i'd like to see cyberpunk with it i don't really like um you'd what you'd what cyberpunk i'd peg cyberpunk as a winner no i'd like to see cyberpunk win but i don't like i really don't know do you know what peg means i'm aware of that okay okay i was being a professional podcaster (laughs) And you just fucking ruined my day. You go and do what you want to games, man. <laughs> just keep it. Keep it to yourself. Well, I like physical copies. Oh, Jesus. It's all gone off the rails all of a sudden. I will move on to uh, um, and actually a topic that I can't. I can't. It's gone. <laughs> so I'm going to move things swiftly onwards to the most anticipated game, which speaks for itself i think but it's a game that a lot of people are looking forward to there's a lot of hype around and the one that kind of jumps out to me and i am looking forward to is um hades 2 which i know we've spoke about before on the show and again it's up against some some stiff competition i'm seeing so many star wars games lately the Mm. star wars outlaws is Tekken 8 is nominated as well. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. I have a clue what that is. Final Fantasy VII, because we don't try and guess numbers here. That is seven, just in case we're curious. I know, and that's really I know that was seven. I remember having that on the uh, also PS1, where PS1. it had like six different discs. Yeah, or something I still have that at home. I have the collector's edition with all the discs intact. Only number... Oh. One has been played. Oh, yeah. well, uh, you know what? Leave it there. We, we'll play it eventually. I, I'm pretty sure I bought it and uh, left it at a friend's house. But oh. shit happens. What we'll actually kind of do is, like we did on our, our first episode, after the Game of the Year Awards, we maybe look at what our most anticipated games for the next coming year is. The next coming year? That's words. They'll get there eventually. Better than Final Fantasy. <laughs> Better than not being able to count. <laughs> yeah, so we, we'll go over kind of the games we're looking forward to as we did before. I think it's been a while since any of them jumping out to you, Stu. Hades 2. I'm really excited to get a look at that. Star Wars Outlaws looks interesting, but I'm not the biggest fan of the Star Wars games. So that's going to kind of be a wait and see how it goes down. Like a Dragon is... The Yakuza series, by the way. All right. They're always guaranteed to be fantastic games. Great value for money and really well made. So no doubt that's going to continue along the same lines. But yeah, probably probably Hades 2 and we're on this one. Thanks for that handoff. Coming back to me. Um, and <laughs> There was a thing in there. Um, the Yakuza. I was like, is that like, you know, the Healy Rays and Kerry? If the Healy Rays do karaoke, then yeah, it's like the Yakuza games. Uh, I'm pretty sure they do. If you get a few points, it's... (laughs) Okay, next up is Best Adaptation. And we're going to... One of our first episodes was actually a video game TV series. And it's been a while since we kind of spoke about it. But there's there's been quite a few adaptations that have come out this year. So so we have Castlevania Nocturne. We have Gran Turismo, the movie. And we have The Last of Us TV show. And we have Super Mario Bros, the movie. And Twisted Metal, which is also a TV show. Got some really great content there and honestly i'm rooting for the last of us i thought it was a a great adaptation of the game no it's like it's you you never played the game so you don't have the same like love for the characters and stuff it was i thought it was fantastic i thought the actors were great i thought they stayed true to like the story they built, but they also took a slightly different direction, which was also appreciative. I think that that's my number one. And then Castlevania was probably close number two, just because I know those uh, the Castlevania series are absolutely incredible as well. I haven't watched this one, but um, no doubt it's it's just as as great as, as its predecessors. So, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure. And I boo because I don't know it exactly that it's it's like online bullying. If you don't know me, you can't be mad. But yeah, there, there's some really good games that have been moved into other media formats and it's it's nice to see that like the technology for like animations and stuff like that has moved to a level where it no longer is like a really dodgy live action where there's some guy wearing like an odd suit or something like that so it's nice to see them kind of seeing their full potential i haven't i think grand trismo's on my my uh, watch list i don't know yeah, if it's same. fantastic but it's it's up there 
Super Mario Bros. movie. I watched some of it, but I didn't really get around to finishing it. Got interrupted, so I want to get back to that. I I can't write those. They're so they're so different. It's very very hard to do kind of a direct compare on those. You know, there some are movies, some are TV shows. I appreciate they're all adaptations, but it's very very hard to kind of pitch those against each other when they're very different. That's true. That's true. Okay. Should go on do another one. I got us on this one. So next one up is best RPG role playing game. Um, basically any game with character rich uh, development, customization, progression, and you know massive multiplayer experiences, whether it's online or offline. And it's a star studded lineup for the most part. I'll say that <laughs> that wasn't actually meant to be a pun, but. <laughs> Oh, okay. So we got Baldur's Gate 3, we got Final Fantasy 16, we have Lies of P, and then we have Sea of Stars and Starfield. There's two stars in there. Little fun fact, the only category Starfield was nominated for this year. Potentially one of the most anticipated games of the year. Yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? It's like, there's still a little bit of long way to go with that game. Um, But yeah, in terms of like best... Best RPG, like what stays true to itself. I played Sea of Stars for, for a good bit. It was fun, fantastic. It was creative. I really enjoyed every every aspect to it. I know Baldur's Gate 3 is probably the definition of what an RPG should be. And again, the work and love and creativity that went into that game. And for it to finally be released and just have the... For it to be received as well as it was, like it broke records for like concurrent players as well at the time it was insane anyway really well made game a lot of fun again it's one of those games that's probably like three or four hundred hours to sink into it which is what an rpg is right so i don't see Baldur's gate being beat not because of the category it is yeah the category encapsulated start to finish i think liza p is a really nice game it's it play it looks really really fun starfield can can die in a hole if starfield would have been previously like that a really anticipated uh rpg you can do what you want go where to go where you want all that kind of stuff but didn't turn out to be that unfortunately loading screen Uh, simulator loading screen simulator all day but ballers gate 3 as we know it it is a it is the role-playing game so i don't i don't know how that's going to be beat it it would be a serious compliment to any of the games if they were given that award. And I think they, if they are, they should be very, very proud of themselves because that's tough comp. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not saying that you shouldn't be proud of yourself for getting nominated, but absolutely. More so if, if you're beating out a game like that. If you're beating out games like that, you, you, you know you've made it. Yeah, 100%. So before we get into the, the final stretch, there's one category that sticks out to me as requiring I, I don't think i don't know about requiring but it should have the acknowledgement uh, that it deserves and that category is innovation and accessibility for those who, who may not know that's recognizing a game or software or hardware feature in some situations where it pushes the medium forward by addressing features and technology to essentially get the game to more people when i go through the the games and some of the innovations they've come up with it'll make a bit more sense one is diablo 4 that it jumps out at me and having played the game quite recently it's fresh in my memory when you start the game you get met with a screen reader it's automatically on reading the screen and you get met with all the other accessibility settings now which is becoming like a, an industry standard which i love yeah i absolutely love because that takes 30 seconds off my game getting into the game where i just say no thank you i don't want it and i move on but you don't need a friend or family member to come in turn on the screen reader for you and then start the game and like that a lot of the game so you'll you'll notice some kind of patterns across them and i know the uh, Mortal Kombat and the Mortal Kombat One and the Street Fighter Six, they also have screen readers, and that's kind of part of the the accessibility. But that isn't the only thing that can be done for accessibility. There is settings that you can put in for those who may be visually impaired. Uh, for example, Mortal Kombat One has different chimes and sounds to indicate to you health percentages, distance between enemies. All that kind of stuff, which is really, really that's, good to make it accessible to everyone. That's super creative as well, eh? It is. And it's kind of how how do you as a developer decide what is suitable for 
someone who may might have an, an additional accessibility need. And one that really, really jumped out as I done the research for this one is Forza Motorsport. So in um, Forza, oh, sorry, it was Forza Horizon 5, they started pushing these kind of, uh, there was a, sorry, there was a sign language option for cutscene, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, but they've awesome. even they pushed it even further in Forza Motorsport, uh, wherein there is now a blind drive option where similar to if you imagine kind of a rally game where you've you read out the instructions of the turns and that kind of thing one one left don't cut all that kind of stuff that's read out to you but from kind of a, a co-pilot perspective but obviously ah. in motorsport it's in a, it's on a track so they read out kind of like positions of other cars uh, where you are your speeds how you're doing all that kind of thing which is absolutely amazing to to say that you have a game that can be played solely by its audio. I think that is amazing. That's incredible. Especially, you'd never think, like, I don't know, you'd, you wouldn't think about doing it for a racing game. A lot of people would look at it and say, do you know what, it's too fast-paced, it's too... But that's so creative, and I understand why they were able to do it for motorsport, because it's track racing, like you said, it's not open-world racing like uh, Horizon 5, but... That's absolutely incredible. It is, it is. And that's just kind of some of the, the innovations and features across them. A lot of the other ones that will come in will be colorblind adjustments because like that, usually good is green, bad is red. And people without have any kind of visual impairments for the colors can't differentiate and find it difficult to find out who they are against who the enemies are. So you can change those to oranges, purples, all those kind of things, which is absolutely unbelievable. So I think this these games as a whole need a shout out. And I see what's nominated is Diablo 4, Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, which you mentioned previously is like an audio beat based game, which that kind of speaks for itself, how it has accessibility built in. Spider-Man 2, which from your experience, you said has screen readers and accessibility settings. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, then Mortal Kombat 1 and Street Fighter 6, which even Mortal Kombat has a setting where you can drop the health bars from the top of the screen to kind of halfway down so that if you're not able to see the full width or full height of the screen because you're focusing on the fight, you can then still see the health bars, which is I awesome. I appreciate that. Those developers in my, in my book get an absolute shout out free of charge all day because to allow me to turn around to someone who may like that have a, an issue seeing colors and say doesn't matter come play the game we can just change it for you i think that's outstanding that is fair and that's what gaming's all about you know it's about inclusivity it's about having fun and it's it's great to see that we're getting to a place where even people who have accessibility needs can now still enjoy their favorite pastime without without too much the new playstation controller as well we haven't spoken about that yet maybe we'll we'll talk about it as it gets closer to being released but it, it looks awesome and again they've changed things up to to make it more accessible for players so really great to see i think it's definitely worth a shout out especially as we've come leaps and bounds from you know <laughs> oh it's so where we were so we've come such a such a long way from like that analogs only or arrows only to now be a case that you can play it you know a game with almost no sight no sound no nothing you can play almost anything you want which i think is it is nice to see um so we won't get stuck on that too long uh, because we'll end up in kind of a uh i don't know um I'll end up disabled, is what he's trying to say. Oh, <laughs> I'll run. I'll run out of the words. Words will know more. Um, yeah, no, happening already, guys. It's something I kept to the end because I thought it just deserves a shout out, a look at, oh, and uh, acknowledgement, and keep it going as an industry standard. Make it so that every game I open has a screen reader on it to start, and I can turn it off afterwards. It costs me nothing, and I hope it costs anyone else who may not require those nothing. So we should be should be grateful for it. But anyway. We'll move back to the main event, the the big award, the game of the year. The one singular game th that is decided, sorry, every year that outshines every other game. As an example, do we have examples of previous game of the year? Yeah, we do. Just to recap some of the most recent winners. Last year, we had, of course, Elden Ring. In 2021, we had the, the co-op adventure, which was It Takes Two. Before that, Last of Us Part Two, of course. 
In 2019, we had uh, Sekiru, Shadows Die Twice, and 2018 was God of War. 2017, we had Breath of the Wild. 2016, we actually had Overwatch, which is... off. Yeah, that's a bit of an unusual to see. I suppose everyone was playing it, so... Fair. fair, And Overwatch 2 is the other end of the spectrum. You had a game of the year and a worst game of the ever. Uh, That's rough, man. Uh, 2015 we had The Witcher 3 and 2014 we had Dragon Age Inquisition if you're a gamer these games speak for themselves like and yeah we're very excited to be discussing what is going to be potentially a game of the year for 2023 yeah I, I think they're like that as you say just going to recap on those every anyone who, who plays games knows at least half of those titles whether you've played them or not you know what they are you've seen videos on them you may watch playthroughs whatever it might be they are serious, serious games. Like, they are. Unbelievable quality games. So it's an honor to be on that kind of list. And uh, I'll put it out there first because I'm pretty sure everyone may know where I land on this. <laughs> so I'll put the ball in your court first. Between Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super, Bar- yeah, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, where's your vote landing, Stuart? It's tough. It's really, really tough because... I see great things across so many of the different titles. Like Zelda brought back fun in a game that I haven't felt in years of playing. Baldur's Gate 3 just showed that when you listen to a community and take that extra time to develop a game, it comes out as close to perfection as as can be. Spider-Man 2 was everything I could ever want in a sequel of a series that I love and adore. Alan Wake 2 redefined horror genre as we know it. Resident Evil 4 went back, rebuilt a game that is classic and they did in such fantastic way. And Super Mario Bros, you know, not that it doesn't deserve to be there. It absolutely does. But it's brought back that platformy feel and that family feel. And it's also one of those games that anyone any age can pick up and have have fun playing for me personally i'm kind of between baldur's gate and spider-man leaning towards spider-man as like a personal bias because this was my game i've been waiting all year to play i got on it i played the shit out of it i enjoyed every second of it little to no bugs when it came out it took advantage of everything the ps5 has to offer it had a decent story and i think that's that's a little part that lets it down but no it was it was really really good but it's a really tough it's not like a clear winner it's a tough tough decision what about yourself so obviously i have a a favorite or a favorite here and that is going to be legends of the tears of the kingdom I'll come back to why in a moment or two, but I will kind of go through the, the other ones first. Like Resident Evil is a, a remake, if I were, were correct on that. I'm not sure that deserves to be on the list. I'm not discrediting the developers for whatever work they may have done. I don't like it being there. Um, that's just a personal that's opinion. Fair. It's it's not necessarily to say it's wrong. That's just a personal opinion. Super Mario Bros. Wonder from my looking at it is another Mario game. Anyone can pick it up and they know the red fellow there, the, the man with the hat jumps and you make it to the end and you jump on the stuff. It's a fun game. No doubt about it. It's enjoyable. But I, again, I don't I haven't played it, so I don't know what differs from that to previous Super Mario titles. Spider-Man 2, not played it. But I think if anything, it's putting itself out there for how smooth it was or how easy its launch went. It didn't come up with any scandals, have performance issues, have anything like that. They seem to have done their work well and done it properly. So interested to, to see where that goes. Baldur's Gate 3, it's on the list of games I want to play, but it's one of those things that, as you said, it's got such a long hour requirement in order to play it. I haven't got that commitment right now. Um, but like that, they this has been a hugely anticipated game for so long. And apart, according to the fan base, it hit, hit all the right boxes. Yeah. So fair enough. Alan Wake Two. Um, I don't know. I don't know any like that. I've I've watched the trailers, watched the reviews. I appreciate that it has kind of a very innovative way of telling a story. I appreciate not every game is for everyone. I get, but this is a horror game specifically for horror to tell a story in a certain way. I don't know that it reaches out to everyone. One of the big concerns and big throw me offs was actually Super Mario Bros. That's not out that long. Out a few weeks, yeah. To get on the game of the year list in such a short period of time, I don't know that Super Mario is going to maybe necessarily have enough of a following, but that also brings me to the 
Legend of Zelda. Just before you jump in, just mention Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2, Mario, Super Mario Bros, all released in the last month, month and a half. Yeah. So they're and all really new. That's bringing me to my kind of concern when it comes to Tears of the Kingdom, is that it's a it's out a while. It's out quite a while. And I don't know if it still has the, the same buzz around it as it did when it first came out. But if you kind of look back, you've seen, you, I, I'm assuming you experienced it yourself, on every social media platform, there was videos of people making new builds and different mm-hmm. contraptions and all that kind of thing on Tears of the Kingdom. It was so widespread with so many people playing it, people that like to build, people that just like to fight, people that like to explore. All these different kind of play styles were suitable for the game. And as you, you said yourself, it brought back like a fun and freedom that I haven't seen in a game in I don't know how long. There was so few restrictions to what you're allowed to do and when you're allowed to do it is the biggest thing. So if I was to compare kind of any of the hype or the buzz around any of the games in this list, nothing comes close to Tears of the Kingdom. But there is the concern that it's kind of died off. I'd love to see Tears of the Kingdom win it, but I I think Baldur's Gate is a is stiff competition because it has such a... Uh, heavy following and was such an anticipated game yeah and it, it kind of shows you like early access works sometimes that was an early access for like two or three years before it's released this year so and it it didn't release for them to go oh this is just what we had in early access don't want it yeah it released for people to go awesome thank you love it so i i don't know i it's a i personally i think it's a toss-up between tears of the kingdom and baldur's gate i'd love to see tears of the kingdom win it that's my personal winner but baldur's gate's gonna be hard bet yeah well we will we will wait and see we will be bringing you guys a a special episode shortly after the uh, game of the year awards ceremony on december 7th so do do stay tuned um as you know we're excited to dive into it and have a look and see just what happens. Just to recap a little on the nominations, Baldur's Gate 3 and Alan Wake 2 lead the pack with eight nominations each across all categories. Spider-Man 2 has seven nominations. The Legend of Zelda has five nominations, as does Super Mario Bros. And Res Evil 4 has three nominations. So these are definitely the right games, I feel. We'll look back in 2023 will be a a fantastic year in gaming history just because of the quality that's been released. Like even to have these six games come out within a 12 month span is something that we would have been begging for two or three years ago. So hopefully this is a sign of, of more things to come and coming into 2024. Hopefully next year when we sit down and we have a conversation like this, it's just as high a standard and just as difficult a conversation. If I can put it in one sentence, yeah, more like this. With all the talk about Games of the Year and with this year coming to a very quick end, we wanted to take a moment and talk about our appreciation for all of you, the listeners. And as a way of showing our appreciation, we've decided to do a little game giveaway. That's right. And it's something we've been kind of wanting to do for a little while now. We're really kind of enjoying podcasting as a whole and a backlog of episodes it's insane to think of how many episodes we've done so far and the year is ending quickly so we just want to take a little bit of something to say thank you to those who've listened to us who have commented on our polls and commented on our polls commented on our our, uh, questionnaires responded to the polls followed us on social medias all that kind of stuff we know it's taking time out of your day for us i know hopefully that listening to to the podcast maybe takes away from the the doom and gloom of a normal day for you so we just want to do a little something extra coming up to a special time of the year to say thank you with that in mind i'm going to pass it over to Stuart now for a little bit of information rules and stuff like that so listen carefully or you might miss a step and lose out so okay so it's important first of all to note that this is our first giveaway and as it being our first giveaway we are limiting the prizes to steam games what we'll do is we will pop a poll on this episode 
and you guys can tell us what platforms you all play on so that when we do our next giveaway, we can make sure we focus the prizes on the platforms that you play on the most. We're going off what we think is, is the general audience. So if we've got that wrong, please forgive us. But hey, the free game on Steam, you can't go wrong with that. So here are the rules for entry. After this episode releases today, we will be posting on our Facebook and Instagram pages. You will need to be following our page, like the post and tag a friend in order to successfully enter the giveaway. Any additional friend tags will count as an additional entry. You can also repost or share our post to your story and this will count as an additional two entries to a maximum of 10 entries per person. Please be sure if you're going to repost or share to tag the Console Chronicles page as if you don't, we will not be able to see who has shared it and we unfortunately will not be able to count your entry as a stupid privacy policies. So with that being said, you can find more information on our social media pages and go wild guys. Have some fun. Absolutely. And just for those who may necessarily not have Steam, this could be a gift to a friend that you know that plays yeah. games on PC. Don't be afraid to enter just because you only have an Xbox or because you only have a PlayStation. Take the key, send it to a friend or family member. They'll be happy with it. It's just to, to give a bit back. And if that trickles down to someone else along the line. Exactly, exactly. And the most important piece people are probably wondering is when are they going to find out who won? So what we're going to do is we are going to release an episode as we mentioned, that coincides with the Game of the Year awards announcements. During this episode, we are going to announce our giveaway winner. So be sure to stay tuned. That's going to be out probably between December 8th and December 10th. Give or take, I think so. Yeah. By the time we get it recorded and all that, because, you know, we can't predict what's going to come out. We'll have to watch the awards and find out for ourselves. So uh, it'll probably be around uh, a couple of days after that. And uh, I'm going to take the fun part away from me on this one, Stuart. And um, the big question is when you win is obviously a big one, but more people, I think people will be more interested in what you can win. So I'm not actually going to go through exactly what options we have available, but there are a couple of different games that you could win. And if you want to find out what those options are, you will be given a choice of one game. If you are the winner, you can choose that game. We, we will communicate with you via whatever platform it is that you've reached out to us on. We'll give you a couple of choices and you can choose. If you want to see what the options are, I would check out the posts that are on our social medias at the moment. Moving on to something a little bit less serious, a little bit more lighthearted. And this is more just, I'm going to find out a bit more about who you are as a person through this. So for this week's Shits and Giggles, I've titled it Controller Wars. It's not necessarily, it doesn't follow an exact line, but what I want to do is a couple of different kind of, all a lot of different controllers are out there. I know what kind of has been landed on as the uh, accepted controller layout. Uh, we still have PlayStation versus Xbox, but there has been a lot of different changes made to them throughout the years. So I'm going to do a couple of uh, verses of different types of controllers and take a vote each on which you choose if you'd had to. And feel free to make your own uh, comparisons to throw back at me. I'm going to throw it out there straight off. Would you rather an Xbox 360 controller or an Xbox One controller? Ooh, uh, Xbox One. I've actually used both. It's a bit heavier and I like the heavier controllers. They're the same shape, but it's a bit heavier, I feel. And it's wireless. All right. So are Xbox 360 controllers. And I always only had wired ones. So. Oh, you're poor. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, The to be fair... Um, I like the Xbox One controllers more than the 360s as well. I think they're a, a smoother fit in the hand. I think they're a little bit more streamlined. The, the, the 360s, while they were a lovely controller, were a bit clunky, like the triggers and the stuff The triggers like that. on the Xbox One controller are so smooth. Like. They're, they're butter smooth, man. It's a hard controller to beat, but uh, the 360 was good. It was iconic, but... I think they I think they made it better. Only thing I'll say about this is that I bought an Xbox One controller specifically for the PC now. And in the last two years I've had three replacements of the same controller. Under warranty? Yeah, under warranty. Like oh, I only man. had to pay like six dollars or something to renew the warranty, but still three times it's been replaced. So I'm here with this off dodgy a red colored Xbox One controller that I got with an Xbox One, an Xbox One S, not the Series S, an Xbox One S, 
back when Forza Motorsport or Forza Horizon 4, I think, was released. Um, like a while back, I've dropped it. The <laughs> case is cracked and it still <laughs> plays perfectly. I've had to get replacement thumbsticks that I've installed myself because they wore out down to the uh, plastic. Oh, nice. No, I've not had the same experience in terms of reliability as you have. That's but fair. we've That's had a couple good. of them with controller drift. I had one where the sync button just fell off. You know the oh. button that you press for like Bluetooth? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that just fell into the controller out of nowhere. Love that. Yeah. Love it, that. I was I was mid playing. I wasn't I didn't press the button. I was just mid game. And next thing I lost pair and I went to press the button and it, it wasn't, just wasn't there. Did you still have the button on the motherboard like to press? No, no, the the actual mechanical button. So you know the way there's a click on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the mechanical the... button had unsoldered itself or detached from the motherboard and you shook the controller you could hear it rattling around jesus uh that was to be fair that was the one that came with the console but yeah look it happens uh but uh, i've had this reliable controller forever i swear if that breaks now i'll cry you jinxed it now i jinxed it i jinxed it go on give us a comparison what have we got what have we got so oh we never did a joke i have a joke for you oh go on hold on uh i, I, I broke my nintendo i oh, called no. the ambulance it's on the way can you not hear it? <laughs> so before you cancel me, what was my question? Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, I'm not. No, no. These jokes are going to lose us more listeners than it gains us. Um, <laughs> so would you rather the Nintendo DS or the Game Boy Advance? Um... I don't know. See, I like the DS. I like the touch screen. I like the what was I like the game. Um no, do you remember there was a, a game on the DS? Is it was a weird Pokemon one called Pokemon Ranger. Um and you had to use the stylus to capture Pokemon by circling them a certain amount of times Jesus before they Christ. hit the edge of where you started circling. And if they hit the edge before you finish the number oh, of circles, see it. Yeah. And they broke out. So I remember just like mashing the touch screen, like absolutely <laughs> fucking molesting the touch screen, trying to circle as fast as I could. With this, you're not being gentle. Like the screen was getting better out. So I love that. It's like amazing. And then there was, I know there was a game actually my mom had on her DS and it was like a 42 all-time classics. And there was okay. darts where you could use the DS oh, and you to throw the darts it. from the bottom yeah. screen up to the top screen. Um, I played that, yeah. I still have that. I stole that. She's not getting that back. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like those kind of things, I just remember being so much fun. So it's got to be the DS for that. Not like petting Nintendogs or anything, but then the convenience of just a single handheld. I suppose mm-hmm. you could do that with the DS when you want as well. The DS is just a little bit more to it. Yeah. The DS was I, class, man. I get that. I never owned a DS, so I'm a little bit... Do you want one? I'll take one. I'll take Funny one. enough, I, I have a red one. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, I have a red and a black one. <laughs> I had a Game Boy Advance SP, one of the flip ones. I have um, one of them. I never owned one originally, but I had. I have one now. Oh, lots, lots of fun, lots of memories with that. But the, the original light, Game Boy, yeah, that was that was it. The backlight. You were the coolest kid in town with your backlight, being like, "Wow!" And I remember one of the guys I went to school with. You spring to school, and he'd be like, "Watch this! Just close the screen down, leave the game on." And then when the yeah. teacher wasn't looking, he just opened it back up again and started playing. I was like, "Oh my god, that's insane!" Oh, it's oh, those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah, I'm glad no one threw the PlayStation Portable up there. That is, I suppose that is just a controller, isn't it? That is just oh. a controller. <laughs> no. um, yeah, my favourite controller of all time didn't come up. So it's What was your favourite controller of all time? Ah, it's GameCube, man. Love the GameCube controller. Yeah? Love it. It That's is fine. clunky and blocky, but it's I love it. It was, uh, I think, the first, after PS2, is the, the next console I bought after that. And it was the kind of first one that I bought that wasn't just like get a console for the house. It was my console. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like three days before I went out of production. Like they stopped making shit for it like a week later. It was a bad time. <laughs> but I love it. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what mine would be. I I love the Xbox controllers. Like, But I don't know. I think the PS5 controller, it's brought a lot of fun technology. I've not to, I, one yet. 
I know they're quite big, so that's my kind of. They're I have big hands, so I don't mind big controllers. Um, the things they did with it, like uh, particularly the adaptive triggers, which is going to come to the next iteration of Xbox controllers. You're going to see it. It's really nice, especially because I play uh, like racing and uh, FIFA games. It's like when your player is running low on stamina, the your R2 button becomes heavier. It becomes tougher to press down because it's indicating that he doesn't have the same stamina he did to go the full way down. And it's the same when you're racing, when you're doing your brakes and your acceleration. It's controlled within, you can feel it in the triggers a little bit better. And I quite enjoy that. I think it's a nice little, nice little twist on it. Everything else, all the other features, don't really care too much I for. You sound like a door-to-door salesman. Can I just close the door and be like, "Sorry, I don't want what you're selling. Stop trying to sell me PlayStation controllers. I don't want them." I'm just. Um, I don't know. I will say, I'll tell you, if I got a a controller with adaptive triggers, it's getting turned off straight away. Seriously? Yeah. I don't want my fucking fingers getting sore or tired for playing a game if I'm playing for like a long session. They don't get tired, man. They don't. It's it's like hardly... Mr. Big Hands, huh? (laughs) What what are you there? Are you like... Big Hands. I got fucking sausages for hands. I was going to say, are you like uh, Charlie's (laughs) uncle from It's Always Sunny? I'm not a big Always Sunny fan. He's he's very self-conscious about a small hand, so he always goes around like wearing these fake hands that make his hands look <laughs> oh, so much no. bigger to compensate. And it's just it's I have sausage funny. fingers, but I don't care. I couldn't give a fuck. Oh god. Okay, well, that was a bit of fun. I think we get back to me doing the outro, seeing as you stuffed it up the last time, huh? Go on. Go on. You get one take on this. No pressure. <laughs> So that's all for this week. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. As usual, you can find us on Twitter at ConsoleCronPod, Instagram Console Chronicles Podcast, as well as Facebook, or you can contact us directly via email at info at consolechronicles.net. So it's bye for me. And it's bye for me. And we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to the podcast. <laughs>